a listener production. Hi, and welcome back to Broadsheet Melbourne Around Town. I'm Broadsheet's editorial director, Katja Vaktel, and the host of this 10-minute guide to Melbourne. A new exhibition of works by Pierre Bonnard, designed by renowned architect India Madhavi, opens at the NGV on June 9. There's going to be more than 100 works by the post-impressionist painter, and they will be set against Madhavi's hyper-colourful backdrops. It's going to be an incredibly special exhibition. I cannot wait to get there. NGV curator Meg Slater joins us to talk about the show. Welcome, Meg. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Who was Pierre Bonnard? Pierre Bonnard is a really interesting artist. I mean, I'm biased, and I say that about most artists (laughs) on the shows that we're working on, but he really is quite unique in that he didn't really belong to a movement. He sort of sat on the edges. Even the one movement that he was attached to as a young artist, it was very much like marginalised in retellings of modernism. Which movement is that? The Nabi artists. They were these very decorative painters that sort of came together when they were all studying. Nabi is the Hebrew word for prophet, and they considered themselves to be the prophets of this new <laughs> design-based art form that was all about ideas rather than what they'd learnt in art school and what had been sort of tradition for a long time, which was creating a perfect imitation of nature. They weren't really interested in doing that. So from the outset, he was very much sort of defying what was artistic tradition at the time. So as a result, he ended up just sort of existing at the edges, but creating work that really pushed modernism forward. He'd gone to law school at the at the request and expectation of his father. Um, he didn't want to. But when he finished law school, he was finally able to do what he really wanted to do, which was study art. And then he formed that quite radical group of the Nabi artists. I mean, ironically, one of the group's defining features was that they weren't really connected um, for much of their time together. Like their end in around 1900 was really due to these sort of divergent artistic views, but also social and political views too, because it was a very ideas-based group. Um, So then Bonner sort of starting out with that group was very much embedded in the sort of city life of Paris, you know, a period of rapid change, industrialization, urbanization. But then I'd say from around sort of the early 1910s onwards, there's this really quite radical shift that's represented really beautifully in the exhibition by India, which we'll get into. He's removed from the vibrant city scene and he becomes extremely reclusive with his partner, Marthe de Meligny, who he met in Paris. They both met when they were very young and they ended up staying together for decades. Marthe had a lot of sort of still not really determined medical conditions that resulted in the two of them traveling a lot, spending a lot of time in the south of France. But they suddenly his world became their home, their domestic interiors, and also the beautiful natural surroundings of wherever they happened to be living. So there's this really interesting split, and it's reflected in the exhibition from Bonnard as a young artist in the middle of this, you know, flourishing creative scene in Paris to all of a sudden Bonnard as this very introspective, contemplative artist creating sort of studies of everyday scenes. What is he best known for? Uh, it's really those later works. So it's interesting, even though he was very isolated sort of from the artistic scene, he was and he wasn't. He wasn't in Paris anymore, but he maintained really important connections with pretty seminal 20th century artists, um, including Monet, Matisse. He had some very loyal followers that kind of have really helped him find his place in the history books. Those works are definitely his most renowned. His works made in the south of France, the ones that are filled with this vibrant 
colour that are really quite remarkable. Those works arrived last week and were uncreated and it, like they could have been painted yesterday and they were painted, you know, 70, 80 years ago. I was talking to a friend the other day and she said that because of his unusual use of often clashing really bright colour. It's almost like all of these elements are jumping out at you all at once, like everything's competing with each other, but in this really beautiful way. And so we've been telling a lot of people that this is a show that lends itself to slow viewing because you know, the the dominant parts of the canvas will jump out at you. For example, in one of his latest still lives that's dominated by a checkered tablecloth. But then as you look a little longer, you say, oh, I can see a dog down there by the left. Oh, I can see like Mart's shadowy presence to the right. I initially thought that was a chair, but she's actually bending down. So there's all of this. Oh, and there's a sunset in the background. There's all of these features that kind of reveal themselves to you because there's so much going on. Now, part of this exhibition, and it's in the name of the exhibition, is the fact that you're not just seeing these works hung on white walls. Mm. The NGV commissioned India Madhavi, who is a world-renowned architect and designer, Mm -hmm. to design the scenography. Can you talk about enlisting India and what she has been tasked with doing as part of the exhibition design? She's based in Paris. She has her studio there. She um, is of Egyptian-Iranian heritage. She blends all of these incredible influences that she gained from a childhood sort of living almost everywhere into this design that is really characterised by a use of colour and texture and form that aims to elicit a certain kind of emotion, a certain kind of mood, which is kind of an exact connection to what Bonnard would do with those elements in his painting. So it was a very clear connection and we were just so thrilled when she was excited to be involved in the project. And from the outset, she was diving headfirst into his work. She had known Bonnard's work from spending part of her childhood in Paris. Her studio is just 500 metres from the Orsay. So they're the partner institution and they actually have the largest collection of Bonnard's work in the world. So perfect institution to partner with. She sort of dove into his work and pulled out parts that really surprised us that are expressed in her design. So a really big part of the exhibition is this sort of deconstructed house that she filled with what she's described as hints of domesticity. Um, So that is really to signal that shift that I mentioned earlier from being embedded in Paris and the sort of busyness of the fantasiecle. And then all of a sudden he has removed himself from that context and he is focused on his everyday sort of domestic experience. So she has sort of deconstructed a house, but was faced with the challenge of, you know, these massive galleries, six metre high ceilings, white walls. How can we make it feel like a home? So she didn't want to be literal, nor did she want to be historically accurate. It's about the feeling. So instead, she decided to dive into works by Bonnard and pull out tiny little elements in the background and take that and abstract them further and turn them into these incredible wallpapers that the works are hung on. She then created massive rugs from rugs that she saw in Bonnard's paintings. We have her own furniture designs referencing, you know, particular rooms in the house throughout the exhibition as well. One of the ways it was described is you get to basically step into uh, a Pierre Bernard painting. He loved the home. He created a lot of works for private patrons for their homes. They would hang each other's works on really floral decorative wallpapers. There's some brilliant paintings depicting just that. So it is actually quite accurate. And Bonnard himself said that 
he thinks that the most, or well, he thought that the most interesting thing in museums were the windows. So he wasn't super fond of the white wall gallery. (laughs) Yeah. Now, if you're going through this exhibition, there's a hundred works, well, there's more than a hundred works. Is there one or two that you'd want to point out for people to look out for? Well, there is this really incredible section of the exhibition dedicated to, um, it's called Large Decoration. So it's focusing on this really important moment in Bonnard's early career when he started to achieve reputational and financial prosperity uh, by gaining gallery representation and starting to receive these really significant commissions from influential collectors and um, private patrons. So we were lucky enough to bring these massive, massive works to the NGV from different collections, the Orsays, but other French collections as well. And there's one work that we installed a few days ago. I believe it's in a boat or in the boat. And it's just this beautiful, almost sort of otherworldly scene of Mart and other figures in this boat, in this sort of like swamp-like fantastical landscape. And it's gigantic. It almost didn't fit into the galleries. It's remarkable when you see him work on that kind of scale. It sounds extraordinary. (laughs) The gallery's also got drawings, prints, photographs and decorative objects. So not only are you going to be seeing his works Mm. and India Madhavi's works, which I think you could probably call works of art Mm. in themselves, you've also got all these other elements to the exhibition. Pierre Bonnard, designed by India Madhavi, runs from June 9 to October 8. And India Madhavi will actually be speaking at the NGV on June 10. So I would hurry to get tickets for that. Thank you so much, Meg. Oh, thank you for having me. Annie Smithers is one of Australia's most revered chefs. She's known for her paddocked plate ethos over a 30-year career. She's the chef owner of Dufermier in Trentham. It's easily one of Victoria's most special restaurants if you've had the privilege to go. It has just 24 seats. It serves rustic French-style farmhouse dishes. And for the next four months, you're actually going to be able to get a taste of Annie Smithers in Melbourne as part of the NGV's Pierre Bernard exhibition. Annie is here with us today. Welcome, Annie. Hi. So tell us how you came to be involved in the Pierre Bonnard exhibition at the NGV. Well, it all started with a little phone call on a lazy Thursday morning of sort of, would you be interested? I was actually doing something completely different and uh, Bronnie, who runs the front of house, took the call and she said, do you want to do this? (laughs) And I said, I think I might need some more details. So... You know, we, we sort of danced around the emails and danced around a couple of phone calls. And then we I had a meeting at the NGV with uh, both restaurants associates who are their, their catering arm right. and um, the wonderful folk at the NGV. And we nutted out this four-month takeover of the Garden Restaurant. Beautiful. So it's, it's a very odd thing for a very small restaurant to go into a world where they do hundreds of covers a week and uh, have a full team. And it's the full... really the opposite of the 24-seater that you're running in regional Victoria. It is, it is pretty opposite, but it's incredibly exciting to have a little Melbourne season. Yes, exactly. So how did you develop the menu? It obviously can't reflect what I do you know, on a day-to-day basis. So yep. we grow all our fruit and vegetables at a farm 10 minutes away from uh, the restaurant. So it It can't be replicated. I did a fair bit of research on uh, Pierre Bonner and then I sort of looked into my back catalogue. You know, it's a long time since I've written an a la carte menu. It's sort of, 
you know, it would be at least eight years. I think we did a la carte at the Fermier. But prior to the Fermier, I had my beautiful Annie Smithers Bistro in Kyneton. Which I ate at. I just remember sitting there with my partner and after the third course, we were like, well, now we're just going to have to come back next weekend. The Bistro really was based around sort of French bistro food, whereas de Fermier has, you know, shifted into a rural location and is French farmhouse style food. So I felt that because of Bonant's history of sort of going from Paris to the south of France, it's sort of a bit like being able to get the best of Annie Smithers out on a plate and out on a menu for the next four months. How good. Yeah. So what did you find in that back catalogue that you thought, okay, this is going to work? A lot of classic French food. So there's sort of pâté en croûtes and there's duck confit. You know, there's a there's a brined harpuka dish that has a beautiful soft beurre blanc with it. Yeah, but then, you know, more classic stuff like beef bourguignon. The wonderful thing about French food for me is that it has – It can be incredibly basic, but it can also be incredibly highly worked food up into that sort of haute cuisine level. So for me to sort of sit within that bistro and that French farmhouse, that you know, the, the workers' cafe that you find in every French French village, to bring that to town, but also be able to execute it with a team of chefs as opposed to just me, is a really exciting thing. The menu's all obviously sorted now, locked in and confirmed. Well, there has to be three menus across the four months. Oh, why? Because I'm a seasonal cook. And I think that bringing that really close seasonality to my food and the food that I bring to the NGV is incredibly important to me. So stuff that's available in June has been replaced by something else in August and replaced by something else again in in September. So there has to be movement and change with the menu, very much as there would be movement and change in Bonana. uh, He and his uh, partner, Marta, would have gone to the the village market every day. They would have brought what was seasonal. They would have brought it home. They would have had it for lunch or for dinner. To keep that continuity, there has to be a sense of your real seasonality with even in the Melbourne guys where everything is available all the time. When you're asked to collaborate with something like this, it it deserves a great deal of thought. Mm. His early years were spent in Paris. You know, at that time, he would have been being fed by, you know, the amazing Belle Epoque style bistros that were there that are still there, very much in a sort of of tourist trope type way. That classic bistro food has to have a a real part in these menus. But then, of course, he gets out into rural countryside, realises that the life is very different, colours are different, his painting changes, and then settles way down in the south of France where the the colours are bright and vivid and yeah, amazingly different to sort of dark grey old Paris of his youth. Yeah, the exhibition runs from the 9th of June through to the, I think it's the 8th of October. Mm. And we start in the, the food that is appropriate for what we want to eat in the depths of winter. And then as we come out the other side, we'll sort of transition into much brighter colours and much lighter things. And I think that sort of replicates a bit of sort of his life and his, the way that he sort of, his painting developed over the years. Now, this is an artist as well who you've mentioned is one of your favourite French painters. Why is that? 
there's two things that uh, really stand out for me. One is he paints the table a lot. He paints the joy of the table, the joy of fresh food, the traditions and the daily routines that any couple has of the coffee jug, the coffee cups, the pattern that we all get with age and you know, the, domestic with, scene. the domestic scene. But the reverence that the French have for the table and the fresh fruit and the baguette. And he also has a great love for uh, critters. So there's there's cats and dogs galore. So they always had a couple of cats and they always had a pair of sausage dogs. The cats in his paintings are, it's almost like Where's Wally sometimes. You can't quite see them, but they're there. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm going to be looking out for those critters in the works then, <laughs> in the exhibition. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a really special experience for those who make it. And And also what I love about having spoken to you now is we're not just going to be going once because we need to have the seasonal meals. We're going to have to go, you know, three or four it's times. It's a trick. It's a trick. I think it's a wonderful thing that the NGV is doing. And I think sort of they started it off last year with Lorinia doing Picasso. It's an immersion. And when you talk about Melbourne in winter is it can be grim and it can be long. And I think to have an opportunity for people to go into the garden restaurant, have some beautiful French food and then go and see this beautiful exhibition or the other way around is that sort of immersive quality and that blend of food and art and just taking a minute to enjoy what you're eating and then enjoy what you're looking at Mm. is a real antidote to the the grey old skies of Melbourne in August. I've had a, a little sneak peek of it and it is... it. It is breathtaking and absolutely joyous. I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so excited to be. go. Yeah. Now, before I let you go, yes. we have to talk about just a small little birthday that Defermier has this year, which is the 10-year anniversary. What have you got planned? And also, how does it feel that it's been 10 years? Was this the plan? Defermier was set up as a cafe. It was set up to do breakfast, lunch and dinner, be cheap and cheerful. Somehow... Yeah, restaurants have a, a habit of sort of just they have they're like children. They you know, they, they just go their own way. And as long as you're proud of them, it doesn't matter. You just sort of work out that that's where it's gone and you've you know, I run along behind it and hope to keep up. But it was never meant to be a restaurant. It was always just meant to be a little cafe. But it's turned into this it's turned into something absolutely, you know, extraordinary and I often think of it as a bit of a dinosaur because it doesn't reinvent itself. We fiddle with the interior a bit, but not much. What has come out of it is that I've finally got a real understanding of what my job as a cook is. And that is that sort of in the time that I hold you in my hands for that two or three hours that we feed you and you just eat what I give you, is that I just want you to feel loved and nurtured when you leave. So you know, to have found that sort of little reasoning for why I do what I do. And it's actually, I'll have to change the buyer because it's actually 40 years next year that I oh, no. started standing okay. at a stove. Scrap for 30 years, I mentioned. Yeah. Um, I don't want to admit to being that old, I don't think. But I think sort of to have done something for 40 years, to have loved it, you know, I love it every day, all the time. I love what I do. And to have worked out that, you know, the real reason for doing it is to make people feel loved and nurtured. It's a pretty beautiful place to end up. And when you walk into that space, that kind of washes over you. As I said, it's one of the most special, you know, places to eat 
in Victoria? I mean, I would argue Australia. I'm a very proud Victorian. What are you doing to celebrate? We have actually just finished a month long of celebrations where we did all sorts of things from $2 potato cakes on Spudfest night. Oh, how good. <laughs> all the way through to a, a crazily expensive dinner and lunch with Michael Dillon from Bindi Wines, where he released five vintages of his Darshan Pinot in honour of his dad, on the same night. We reinvented a lot of the things that we did over the 10 years and celebrated them. The only one we didn't reinvent was breakfast because I never want to do a breakfast service (laughs) again. Uh, But what it's actually also done, you know, on a really serious level is that we are at a bit of a crossroad in the restaurant industry. It's, It's hard yards. Three years of COVID and now we have some really tough operating conditions with cost of living stuff and discretionary spending. So what it's given me is a a really good view of what the future might look like. We'll have a few new things on the the slate to A, sort of broaden the appeal a bit, uh, but also you know, make sure that everybody out there in, you know, support land, which is the wonderful customers that we see week in, week out and things, you know, know that we're listening and aware of their lives as much as they're aware of ours. Annie Smithers at the NGV Garden Restaurant at the NGV International runs from the 9th of June to the 8th of October. It's open daily from 10.30am till 4pm and on Friday 6pm till late, which coincides with the NGV Friday nights. Get online and book. You don't want to miss out. Thanks so much for joining us, Annie. Thank you so much for having me in. That's it for today. You can stay completely up to date at any moment of any day at broadsheet.com.au or on Instagram at broadsheet underscore melb. I'll be back again on Friday, same time, same place. Listener.